Uh, thank you, Michael. Well read. Uh, keep your Bible passages there. We're going to go through them. Uh, if we haven't met, uh, my name's Toby. I'm the pastor here. It's great to have you with us. And for those regulars, uh, but also for everyone, uh, I've got this a bookmark because it can be quite confusing. Normally, the kids' talk is the same as the sermon, so you kind of you get an easier understanding. Um, but of course, our children are learning Judges in class now, and they're learning about Ehud. And so the actual kids' talk, I don't mean to be rude, it's for the kids, bruh. It's a bonus that you get to hear it, but it's for the kids. And so you can see I've got the sermon passages, the kids' talk, and then growth group uh, is our Bible studies. So this week we're doing Judges Cycle, but the kids' talk that I gave last week was the Judges Cycle. The kids are doing Ehud today with a big fat king, and we get to do that. And I'm very thankful that the kids are in there because we can go into a bit more detail because it's a bit nitty-gritty. Um, and that's why we have our Judges series. So grab that, put in your Bible. Great to read ahead. As you can see, some of our Bible readers can get a bit nervous because some of the passages are getting quite long. But we're going to shorten that. So if you want to read the chapters before you come to church, that'll be a great help. Uh, so let's pray as we come to God's Word. Uh, Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to come to your Word. We thank you for the book of Judges. Uh, help me to explain it well and clearly. But help us also to see that Jesus is the game changer, that he breaks the cycle. Uh, help us, uh, for those of us that know him, to put our trust in him even more. But for those of us who are still working out who Jesus is, help us to see the difference he makes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, for those who don't know, we got a border collie last year and I had a German Shepherd as a kid and I was hopeless at training the dog. I'm taking lessons to try and be a better dog owner. Uh, our dog has trouble with bedding. Uh, we have beautiful, comforting bedding and our dog, Panda, she likes to chew and she's tearing up her bedding and dragging it. And so I, I nailed the fluffy bedding just as so she couldn't get at it. And that was good. But of course, I bought her another mat. You know, it was a nice, weatherproof, resistant, good mat. And I thought, this will be good. And I placed it beside her kennel. And I left it with her. I left my dog to her own devices. And within one hour, she was already chewing that mat. She started chewing her beautiful mats Wednesday, so I got rid of that. I was so frustrated. I said, right, you can have this new mat that you've already half chewed, and I'll see you in the morning. Thursday morning, I was greeted to this site, and then we went for a walk and came back, and this is what she'd done. Our dog, when left to our own devices, she can't help herself. She's got to chew. Now, most of us have our weaknesses, and I think I'm pretty confident to say everyone here doesn't chew their bed. Uh, but we all have our own weaknesses. Left to our own devices, we can't help ourselves. For some of us, if there's a full block of Cadbury chocolates left by our own, we will do that. For me, it's apple pie or apple crumble. If there's apple crumble in the room and I've left just me and the apple crumble, it's all over. The apple crumble will not survive the encounter. 
For some of us, it's computer games. If the family's not there or no one's there, minutes become hours and you spend so much time on the computer game. For some of us, it's our garden. We will garden and garden. The last couple of days, you've just been lost in your garden. For some of us, it's cars. I was talking to one guy who was restoring a Porsche. It's not as good as a Valiant, but it's all right. And he spent hours, and he was spending like two hours explaining all that he did. And the look in his wife's eyes, I could tell. It was fairly consuming. For some of us, it's the internet. For some of us, it's social media. We just get caught. We get sucked in to looking and scrolling and scrolling. For other of us, it's books, novels. For some of us, it's shopping, either in line or on on in person. We have different weaknesses. Left to our own devices, we're going to fail. Now, we're not just talking about phones or electrical devices. We're looking at the judge's cycle. The key to understanding the book of Judges is to understand this cycle. This cycle is a great summary of humans. What humans do if they're left to their own devices We just can't survive. We can't live. We keep falling and failing in the same old mistakes. And so chapter 3, as Michael read, it's got kind of three sections. We've got the first paragraph, starting well. We've got Joshua's death. And then the last bit is the Lord's people keep on failing in this cycle. So let's start at verse 1 at the top. The angel of the Lord, he's speaking to Israel... And he's speaking as the Lord. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into a land that I swore to give to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. This is what the Lord has done for his people. He saved them from slavery. And he swore to their forefathers, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never break my covenants. And the angel says, but you have broken your covenants. I told you not to make covenants with the Canaanites. You have done that. I told you to destroy their altars. You haven't done that. And thus you've rejected my instruction. And the consequences of that is of not driving out the Canaanites, or they will be a thorn in your side. They will constantly cause you pain. Their gods will become a snare. They will cause you to fall. And how do they respond to these words? Well, verse 4 says that they immediately wail out aloud. They wept. They realize that they have rejected their Lord and they are heartbroken. God has given them everything and yet they have failed. And it's always a good sign, isn't it, when we get upset by our sin. When we reject God, when we do what we know we shouldn't, it's a great sign that we're upset, that we're uncomfortable, that we don't feel good. We need all to be concerned with our weaknesses, our sins, our selfishness, We don't ever want to be comfortable with sin because being comfortable with sin is a dangerous place to be. 
And then we have the next paragraph, and it's a bit of deja vu. It's repeating Judges 1 verse 1, but it's the expanded account of Joshua's death. Uh, Joshua passes away. Uh, He's had a good, long life. He's been very faithful to the Lord. And then in verse 10, very important background information. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So you see, Joshua's passed away and all his generation, all the generation that saw the mighty works of the Lord and all that he had done. And the previous generation, they'd been told, they told the next generation about the Lord. But you see, there arose another generation who did not know the Lord. And this doesn't mean that they don't know the Lord, like they've never heard of him. This is meaning that they didn't actually have a personal relationship with the Lord. Now, you ask the question, well, whose fault is that? Well, it's probably both the former generation, who did not raise the next generation to know the Lord, that they had a personal relationship with, but also the later generation who hardened their hearts, who just thought, Well, we could do what mum and dad did, but hey, there's more fun doing what the Canaanites are doing. It's a great reminder, isn't it, that faith in God, faith in the Lord, is not an automatic succession. Our children automatically inherit our good looks and wonderful personalities, don't they? And unfortunately for them, they also inherit our bad habits and our traits. But they don't automatically inherit our faith. It's not just about bringing them to church and let the Sunday school teachers take care of their faith. It's not just a matter of, oh, we've just got to keep the kids away from the bad stuff out there, whatever that is. As parents, we need to address our children's biggest problem. What's our children's biggest problem? They're selfish and wicked hearts. They're hearts that naturally punch their brother or pick on their sister. They're selfish and natural hearts that say, I'm the boss, not you, mum. You do what I say, not I do what you say. That's what they need help with. And parents, we need to love them and help them to realise that they aren't good little boys and girls, that they can't fix themselves, that they need Jesus. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard they try, they're going to fail. That's why they need Jesus. Only Jesus can save them. And as parents, we need to be honest, don't we? We need to be honest with their selfishness and sins, but also with our selfishness and sins. We need to admit our mistakes, our own sins. Because we already know, they know exactly what's going on, right? So I've given a personal example. that At times my anger gets the better of me. At times I have an outburst at home. Now my girls, I've got four girls, they don't like it. I don't like it. It's horrible. But what do I do? Well, I say sorry. I apologise. 
I say sorry to my girls and I say sorry to God. As a Christian parent, I need to model that I'm not perfect. Only Jesus is. That's why I'm a Christian. I need Jesus. So when I sin, I need to repent of it and deal with it. There's no point ignoring it. It's really dangerous to try and avoid it or play it down. It only gets worse. So for parents, grandparents out there, pray for your children. Read the Bible with them. Pray with them. But talk about your own faith and answers to prayer. I see our faith has to be active and transparent to our children. Our priority is to make disciples of our kids. And so there we go. That's what happens when faith isn't passed on. And so we see what happens when God's people abandon him. We see this judges cycle that Anna used in the kids' talk. It's in verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. Now the Lord has kept his covenant. He expects that his people will expect, and he will not tolerate them abandoning them. He has chosen them to be his people, and, and him to be their God alone. And so when they reject him, he is angry. He's angry with his people. What are the consequences? He gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hand of the surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had warned them. They were in terrible distress. The very people that Israel did not remove, that God asked them to remove, the very people that Israel became like, God uses to attack his people. Why? So that they would repent, they would turn back to the Lord. The Lord hears their cries in distress. Verse 18 explains the law is moved by their cries. And so he provides a judge to deliver them from their enemies. Now we're going to see these judges in the coming weeks and they're kind of like tribal warriors. You think about military men. Don't think about judges in court or military men and women. They lead God's people to victory in various ways and as long as the judge is alive, there's peace. But once the judge dies, the people then go bad but not just bad, they get worse. Verse 19, whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods and serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. Now, this is the cycle of judges, and we're going to see it in the book of Judges go around and around and around. But each time it happens, they don't get better. They don't learn from their lesson they get worse. They get worse. A downward spiral to total and absolute anarchy, apostasy. 
Hence the title to our series, the last verse in Judges, Judges 21 verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his eyes. Now what about us today? Here's the thing, humanity hasn't changed since the time of Judges. Humanity hasn't changed since the time in the Garden of Eden, as we sang in our song, Image. Yeah, sure, we drive cars and we've got phones, but our hearts are still so easily distracted. Our hearts are so easily drawn away from God. Try as we might, we just can't do it. Adam and Eve, they're in paradise. In absolute paradise, it never was better on earth. You could do whatever you want, but one thing, don't eat of the tree of knowledge. They're tempted, they fail, they get kicked out. The judges, we're here, they're here in the promised land. You only have to do one thing, get rid of the other nations. Don't become like the other nations. They tempted, they fail. And for us here in the slightly colder Garden of Eden, best gardens in Australia, don't you say? It's just a bit colder than Eden. You know, we, God's given us not skins of fur, but puffer jackets, and that's how we survive. God gives us everything we need, and yet we can't stay loyal to him, can we? Try as we might, we still fail. We're like, you know, the mice on the running wheel. We just no way off. And the judges cycle is actually the religious cycle. Every religion is like this. A person does something bad and they think, oh, I'm neglecting God or the gods or whatever. I need to pray more. I need to offer sacrifices. I need to be nicer. I need to do good. I need to do stuff to appease the gods. And then they forget about God again and the cycle goes and goes and goes. Heartbreaking, frustrating, debilitating. That's why Jesus came. Jesus is the cycle breaker. He breaks the cycle. The cross is what breaks the cycle. Now, obviously, the Canaanite idols and the religion, that was the issue in Judges. And, and I'm pretty sure no one in here is getting caught up with the fertility you know, idols of the Canaanites. But there are many gods in our culture. And one of the big ones, of course, is the god of wealth that our wealth will provide for us. That if we just have enough cash, enough super, enough investments, enough properties, enough whatever, then the God of wealth will provide our happiness, our security, our everything. And that's the second Bible reading highlighted the God of wealth. The rich young ruler, he believed he was right with God. Oh, Jesus, I am the best. I'm the bees. Now, what am I going to do to go to heaven? Just tell me because I've already done it. And Jesus tells him. And he's, oh, yeah, I've done that since I'm child. I'm your man, Jesus. I've done it. And then Jesus addresses his God, the God of wealth. 
Verse 21, Jesus, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Notice the start of verse 21. Jesus loved him. Jesus isn't saying, you're a liar, gotcha. What about, you know, such and such and such and such. Jesus loves him. He wants to help him. And because he loves him, he's just asked him, just, just give up your God of wealth. Give up the idol of wealth and follow me. Give your wealth to the poor and follow me. And the young man, he loves his God of wealth just too much. He's holding on just too tightly. He will not let go. And he walks away dismayed. And Jesus explains how hard is it for the rich to be saved. And the disciples, they're just like, well, if he can't be saved, none of us can. Who can be saved? The last verse, Jesus answered. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. It is God who saves us. It is God who enables us to break the cycle. So let's have a bit of self-reflection. Let's be honest with ourselves. Tim Keller states that we need... To be honest, we need to look at our own lives. Think about our families, our careers, our possessions, our ambitions, even our time or our comfort, and ask two questions. Am I willing to do whatever God says about this area of my life? Am I willing to accept whatever God sends in this area? Am I willing to do whatever God says about this area? Am I willing to do whatever God says about my wealth, about my family, about my career? Am I willing to accept whatever God sends in this area? If he sends, you know, no interest rates or a stock market crash, if he sends sickness into me or my family, am I willing to accept it? And if the answer is no... Well, it's showing us that we have an alternative God. Ask yourself the hard question. What is it that I won't give up for God? What is it that I'm not willing to accept? And that's showing what your God is. Now, it's going to be different for all of us, isn't it? But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save us. Left to our own devices, we're just like the Israelites. We can't help ourselves. Jesus came to break the cycle. God cannot stand other idols, other gods. And he sent Jesus. The cross is the answer to the judge's cycle on the cross God's son takes the punishment for the sin. On the cross, God's son proves God loves his people. And that's why we need the gospel every day. Because today we're going to fail. 
tomorrow we're going to fail. We're going to fail left to our own devices. Jesus was punished on our behalf. He took the punishment so that there is no more punishment. Through Jesus dying, the cycle is broken. God's wrath is taken out on Jesus so it doesn't have to be taken out on us. And Jesus didn't just die, he rose from the grave to prove that we have future, we have hope. So just recapping, we have sin. We need to be uncomfortable with sin. Sin is our enemy. Our gods, our counter-gods will not help us. We need to trust in Jesus to break the cycle. Let's pray. But Father God, we hate to admit it. We don't like to admit that left to our own devices that we will fail. Our selfish desire is to think that we can handle it, that we're okay, that we're not that bad. Father God, help us to learn the lesson from judges that we will so easily wander off, that we will so easily be ensnared by other gods. Father God, help us to be honest with ourselves, whether it is the God of wealth, the God of pleasure, the God of comfort, the God of career or success, whatever the God is that we are lured to help us to see that left to our own devices, we are helpless. We thank you so much for Jesus, that he came and he broke the cycle. Father God, we thank you for your grace in Jesus, that he did what we could not. But we also thank you that with Jesus, we don't have to keep jumping through hoops, we don't have to keep proving ourselves that with him we are forgiven, we are rescued. Lord, help us to not be selfish. Help us to be honest and to assess what is causing us to be tempted to go after other things. But also, Father God, help us to be praying for the next generation, for our own children or for the children here at Ebenezer that aren't ours. Help us to disciple and entrust the next generation to know and trust in Jesus. And help us also to be honest, not to pretend that we've got it all together, but to tell and live as though our life depends on Jesus because he is the difference between living and being free of the cycle. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.